welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Here we have Karma and Aditya and our host, Mr. John Bull. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so why don't you tell us a bit about your job? So we know that you're director at Terra, but can you tell us a bit more about uh, what is it and sort of what responsibilities it fills out? Yeah, I look after one of the big buildings over at Expo 2020 called Terra, the Sustainability Pavilion. I've been at Expo for four and a half years. So over that time, I've kind of represented what Expo wants to get out of that place and how we want it to serve our visitors. When I've been talking to the architects, the exhibition designers, the engineers, always pushing them to create a building that is the most useful, the most likely to show people how amazing our world is and get them to change the way they live. And to, just to make sure that it works both for Expo and for After Expo when we reopen it to the public uh, as part of District 2020. Mm. That's really interesting because like you said, you've done several projects in the past, not only the Expo. But what made you get into this particular field regarding like passionate regarding the environment and sustainability? When I left the university, I got uh, a normal job. I went to work for human resources in an insurance company and I hated it. It was the worst. I just didn't care about what the company was doing. It didn't align with my values. I went into work every day thinking, why am I doing this? And so I quit, or maybe they fired me, one, one or the other. Um, and so I went back to university and studied around museums because I have a degree in history. And I thought maybe I can use museums to do some good. So that led me to work at the Science Museum, which led me to connect more with science communication and understanding how the world works and passing that information on to people. And that was the road that led me here today. And it's been what I really enjoy about it is that it's constantly changing. I get to meet really interesting people like you guys. I get to talk about something that matters to me. I hope I make a small contribution to making the world a better place. And um, it's a really great job. And I'm, I very rarely get bored, which is amazing because I get bored really easily. But there's so much diversity of things to do. Stopping the building uh, alarms going off, making sure that we're working with VIPs, giving interviews to the media, taking round uh, ministers and royalty. It's been an amazing journey. Wow. Yeah, so of course uh, you have a degree in uh, history. So how would you say, you weren't exactly, you said that, let's say 20 years ago, you were an expert in sustainability. So would you say that uh, working with Expo the past four years has taught you a lot about sustainability or would you, did you have to sort of figure it out on your own to get the job? Yeah, I, I still wouldn't say I'm an expert on sustainability by any means because the issues are so complex. But I guess what I what I have pushed myself to understand is the underlying issues that drive forward our relationship with the planet. So I couldn't, in all honesty, produce a place like Terra, talk to our public about changing their behaviours if I hadn't thought about what in my own behaviours I could change or, or even understanding why that's so important. So what I always try to do is work with people who are experts. So I work with engineers, I work with scientists, I work with filmmakers and artists who are real in-depth experts in, in their small fields. And I try and understand what's most important about what they want to say. And I try and translate that into experiences for the public that they'll enjoy and will resonate with them. And sometimes it's better to be a step back from the real depth of detail because that allows you to think about the bigger picture and what really matters. Yeah, because I feel sustainability is the talk of what's happening right now and presently. However, is it just regarding the environment and, you know, preserving it for the future? Or is there something more that we are not seeing as individuals? Well, I mean, for me, sustainability is about 
our future. It's about our lives. It's about the continued existence of the human race. It's about not taking for granted how fortunate we are to have the abundance of resources that surround us. It's about applying our ingenuity for the good of humanity rather than its destruction. It's about it's about happiness and it's about humanity flourishing. And so it is really about everything. And, you know, the more the more time I spend around the topics, the more I understand that human health is planetary health. They're intertwined. Studies show that we're healthier, we're happier, we're better people when we're connected to the environment. And why wouldn't we chart a future towards a situation where that's the norm? Yeah, I completely agree. And of course, you said that uh, being the director of, of terror has a lot of sort of small tasks that you can you restrict your attention span, so you can go from bit to bit. But what would you say has been sort of the biggest challenge you had to face while managing terror? What? Oh. It's knowing which story to tell. There's so many stories to tell, and this, it, you know, if it's this big deal that's literally about our existence, how can you imagine the pressure of trying <laughs> to come up with something that works and doesn't let Expo down and Dubai down? So it's about from all those things, distilling it down to something that connects with everybody, whether they're five or 50 or, you know, whether they're a banker or an artist, a child or, you know, an indigenous leader. It doesn't, it, the thought, how we crafted this place is something that matters a lot to me. I didn't want to create something that was preachy or negative and so much of the communication around sustainability is. And it, and also the responsibility of, you know, the literally millions of people coming to Expo from all over the world. This is the one chance I'll ever get to speak to those people. So one of the most difficult things was coming to terms with that and trying to create an experience which resonates with everyone. Yeah, yeah, because I feel the Expo is such a great platform to showcase people's passion and love for sustainability and the future. However, for students being the future of our world, how can they get involved in sustainability? Well, if sustainability is everything, you know, if life is sustainability, then every, what everyone needs to realise, including young people, is that every decision that we make is about sustainability. Everything that you buy, you make a choice. Do you buy this? Do you buy that? Which one impacts on the planet negatively? You think about how you travel. That's a sustainability choice. You think about how you exercise. It's a sustainability choice. You think about the food that you eat. It's a sustainability choice. It's impossible not to be making decisions that are about sustainability. It's impossible to avoid making decisions that either help or harm the planet and ourselves. So it's something that I hope becomes more and more a, a, a way of thinking, a way of seeing the world. And, and we all of us collectively and are championed by young people in particular, see that every decision does matter because we mustn't feel disempowered. So one of the things that I had challenges with was thinking about this issue called eco-anxiety. So eco-anxiety is this feeling of unease and, and fear caused by the enormity of the climate crisis that we face. And people think, I can't do anything. They curl up in a ball, they hide, and they think, that's it, I'm just not going to make any decisions. Well, that's not possible. It's not an option. We are making decisions with everything that we do. And we don't want to be overwhelmed with that. And I don't want people to feel that they have no choice in the future. So every choice we make is about sustainability. Yeah, I completely agree with the whole eco-anxiety. I think it's quite common in schools because, you know, we're taught so much, especially now about how 
I remember I think I was in year five and it was Green Day and they, the, our teacher gave us really, I think they got, they had the right idea but the wrong message. So they had this whole talk about how, you know, um, they showed a sad picture of a polar bear, you know, drowning. I think that's quite a bit traumatic to show eight-year-olds. So I think uh, if we, what would you say would be good techniques to sort of promote and cause awareness of sustainability without sort of causing eco-anxiety, as you said? I think it's to put the focus on hope and it's to put the focus on human ingenuity and our ability. Look, we've done so much damage to the world in such a short amount of time. If we switch that over and we applied our ingenuity to solving the world's problems and to making the world a better place, who knows how much better we can make it. There's enormously fabulous initiatives like the Moonshot, uh, the Earthshot Prize, which has recently been announced, which has come out with great ideas. Elon Musk has just put up a um, uh, hundred million, billion, trillion, zillion dollar prize for uh, carbon sequestration, uh, new technologies of sinking carbon into, uh, into rock. If these things move forward at the pace that they need to, the possibilities for the future are enormous. We can, we can create a better world. We shouldn't feel that we can't, but I do think there is a place for negative stories, you know, for, for not negative stories, but of showing the severity of the situation that we're in is incredibly important because actually you don't see polar bears every day do you You don't think mm. about the ice every day you might think it was a bit hot today but actually i think that most days um but you but you don't connect that with these enormous changes and so we have to think about that you have to see the map with london and paris and um uh, and, and, and dhaka sinking beneath the sea we have to see these things because they are a potential reality if we don't act but always have hope that we can play a part in changing it for the better yeah that's really nice because i believe that presenting your ideas about the environment and sustainability is extremely crucial especially for young children who tend to like you said have a short attention span and get bored really easily from just going on lectures about having a more sustainable environment so what does terra have that engages that and communicates the idea well and it's not just children with short attention spans it's me too which is good it means i can i can relate better it's um so terror we tried to craft a, a story which would engage with everyone so we looked at common storytelling techniques around the world across cultures and fairy tales is a really foundational type of what telling a story that, that really does resonate with many many cultures around the world and the good news for me as someone who crafts experience is that they're really easy to copy so fairy tales normally have have a, have a flow to them and so to simplify that the way we looked at it is the a fairy tale has for us has three major sections and the first one is about the fairy tale kingdom and how beautiful it is you know it's when dorothy arrives in oz and she sees the candy canes growing from the ground and the double rainbows and the flying monkeys and unicorns and whatever and it's beautiful and it's there to show you that this new fairy tale kingdom, maybe it's the Ewoks in Star Wars, my favourite uh, fairy tale. Uh, it's there to show you that this place is special and beautiful and worth protecting. Because only once you appreciate how beautiful it is, do you care when the second chapter of the story happens, which is when the villain arrives. It's Darth Vader, the big bad wolf, all of those guys, the witch, Hansel and Gretel. It's someone who's putting that beautiful environment at risk. It resonates closely with what we do. And the third stage in the fairy tale normally is convenient salvation. It's some woodcutter chops the wolf open and grandma jumps out and she's fine. 
But I didn't want to do that because I'm pro-wolves. I didn't want to murder any wolves. And also I didn't want to show that the problem is over and that we're all good because that's not the truth. So what we converted that into was a story of hope and a story of like little glimmers of ideas that could lead us forward in a better direction if people act upon it. Salvation is potentially there down the road if we have the hope, if we have the inspiration and we do things. So we took that format and we translated it into the experience you walk through. So the fairy tale kingdom is our ocean or the forest that you walk under. The villain of the piece in terror is not Vader. It's us and all of us very intentionally so that we show that everyone is playing a role in this. And then, of course, salvation is these great ideas that could take us forwards. Well, it's really amazing how you sort of ran to because I think it's quite interesting because Expo has been all, all about, you know, sort of creating a place where it engages you know all age groups like you said but i to be honest i didn't actually expect for it to be so engaging for example a young audience and it's quite smart how you've sort of the idea of a fairy tale sort of engaged the younger audience because it um i think quite a lot of people had sort of been expecting for expo to be quite a lot about uh you know like the greatest show is ads show and everything but it's really you know it's quite smart how you actually work that out so i think I think I was surprised for once, honestly, when I first uh, went to Excel with how, honestly, like, astounding it was. I was so amazed. But what was one thing that you found sort of surprising about either working or just how Expo turned out? Oh, there's so many amazing things going on at Expo. I, I, re I really love every day, though. There's something new and crazy mm. every day, whether it's, like, giant seven-foot-tall blackbirds <laughs> terrifying the children or it's, you know... And, a new orchestra or cool music from around the world that you would have never heard before. I guess what I really love about Expo at its heart is that it genuinely does feel like the world's coming together in a really positive and accepting yeah. way. So you walk from Saudi to the Philippines to the UK to the UAE to Mongolia to Kenya and you see these similar stories of humanity coming out in different ways of course but you see common values that are expressed across communities. You see ideas which are driving in the same direction, but taking different routes to it, just showing how amazingly inge ingenious people can be. I love bringing those people into terror and sharing thoughts with them and understanding how they see the world. I think, um, I think that coming together of people with, from these different perspectives is a special thing about Expo because there's no... No real major political pressure. There's no need to sign this or sign that. People are genuinely just exploring ideas to lead to a better future. And that's what I hope Expo does. Yeah, yeah the Expo is truly like an entire different world from different countries to different pavilions. And the work environment and people visiting there is just a wonderful, big, friendly community. Um, however, just going on to you, what, what do you believe as currently? How do you see the future? Oh, wow. Uh, how do I see the future? Look, I, I'm really optimistic, especially when I come to places like this and talk to young people like you guys. I know that humans are amazing. I know that we can find a way to a future where we thrive and where the most vulnerable in the world are protected. I know that can happen. I worry that we are moving too slowly to to act in a way that will protect particularly the most vulnerable. And so I hope for a future where we act soon. We realise the severity of the situation. We don't hide from it. Those countries with wealth 
and, and with clarity of vision on the way forward. And those countries that are responsible mostly for the change realise that they have a role to play to protect the world, protect the most vulnerable who are disproportionately suffering as a result of climate, uh, the climate crisis. Um, and I see that happening. I can see it happening. There's so many great ideas. There's this lovely uh, program at Expo called the Expo Live program, which is a grant program supporting social initiatives around the world. And they've given out money to grassroots organisations who've come up with such diverse ideas like ways of uh, encouraging growth of plants in the desert through, the, through to ideas around new finance systems, new apps to help people with visual impairments access facilities. And those, and those projects are changing the world, just one individual at a time. And they're just an example of millions of projects like that that are happening around the world. So I really do think that we're on the way somewhere fabulous and exciting, but we mustn't shy away from the fact that to get there takes effort and concentration and, and application. Yeah. Honestly, I agree when you said you're a very optimistic person because that was very, I think everything you say sort of holds a lot of hope, but in a very, I guess, true way. Uh, so on to the next question, I, I was wondering, so it's quite amazing how you went from working in a museum to, you know, hosting at one of the biggest sections of Expo. So how would a student who, if they wanted to get into and possibly make a career out of, out of sustainability, how would they sort of like, where would they go to university or sort of internships or what would they do? I mean, there's so many options to the way forward. Mm-hmm. And then, and of course... It's re- relatively uh, accepted now to study sustainability uh, at university. And that could, of course, be engineering. It could be anthropology. It could be art and design. It could be architecture. It could be landscape design. If what I said is true and that sustainability is everything, frankly, you can't go and study anything that's not about sustainability. It's impossible not to. But um, So it's more about deciding which angle you want to take on that, whether you're mostly interested in kind of, I don't know, cultural sustainability, whether you're interested in biodiversity protection, whether you're interested in understanding technological solutions to some of the challenges that we face. And obviously, uh, obviously, university is a fabulous way to get a good grounding in those topics and um, as is then becoming immersed in them. So, you know, I, I feel that the greatest studying comes... The greatest learning comes from direct connection with the issues. So nothing can be an opportunity to be directly connected. So if you're interested in biodiversity protection, find a way to get out to the Amazon, get out to the natural environments here in the UAE, protect those creatures, learn from people who've been doing it for years. I am... My greatest learning on this project has definitely come from the people that I've connected with. So, for example, someone I admire greatly is a chap called Sir Tim Smith. He set up this uh, uh, ecological experience in the UK, in Cornwall, called the Eden Project. He turned this devastated environment of a, of a, a mine, absolute eyesore, horrific place. He turned it into this beautiful bio, uh, biodiverse paradise with biomes of different environments from the cold climates, from the tropical climates. And he's used that to inspire people to learn He's used that to inspire um, new projects. Uh, he's worked with me and he's working in, Aus- in Australasia and China and South America to create similar experiences. So find people who inspire you and learn from them as well and, uh, and, and get that into your own thinking and come up with your own ideas. Definitely, because environmental education is so diverse. Like you said, you went 
on a degree from ancient history to now holding a pavilion regarding sustainability at a world event. However, um, in Tara and in the sustainability pavilion, what are you hoping to achieve at the end of the expo? I guess what I what I what I hope to achieve is to have succeeded in changing a good proportion of the people who come through the experiences way of seeing the world. So I talk a lot about transformation experiences, experiences where people realize because perhaps we're presenting something shocking uh, that they realize that the way we're going about things is not necessarily the right way. So I hope that that works across the board to get people to think about those choices we make. And I know some of that's happening. So, for example, we opened Terror up for a kind of trial opening back in the early part of this year. We had 100,000 people through the doors and we asked them all how they thought about the place. And um, over 90% of those people who came through told us that they were going to make some changes in their lives directly because of terror. That might just be, you know, plant some plants, do a bit more recycling, small, small things that we can all do. And, you know, some of that might not be true. But say, say it's still 70%. Yeah. 70,000 people came through in two months. If we get through another 100,000, another 200, 300, 400, 500,000 people, if we get 50, 60, 70% of those people seeing the world differently, making small changes, these things add up. Yeah. And it may, will make the world a better place. Those people will make the world a better place. And I want to know whether we're doing it. So I have some really interesting research projects happening over Expo. Yeah. So I'm working with the University of Exeter to uh, ask questions of over 4,000 people who come through to try and understand whether when they see the anglerfish clogged with the uh, plastic, it upsets them, whether that then does lead to change. And I'm working with the University of D uh, Birmingham here in Dubai as well to do psycho uh, psychophysiological testing of a smaller number of people. So we're going to fit some people with eye monitors, heart rate monitors, stress level indicators, and we're going to put them through the experience. And we're going to see if, you know, seeing the, 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 the transformation of nature into the goods that we buy, see whether it does get people's hearts rate uh, beating faster, and then, and then comparing that to the data of the questionnaire to see whether those kind of emotional experiences like we've created in Terra are leading to change or in at least an intent to change the behavior. And then I want to share that information with the world because part of the reason of the expo is about sharing knowledge. And Terra is a big experiment. It could have been a, a huge disaster because we've done something that's quite different to anything else in the world. And thankfully, Handela, it's not. But I want to prove that and I want to share that with everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So now some uh, general questions that the students have asked. Um, what is one of the... So how, of course, we've been going through a pandemic, which is the reason why we're wearing masks. So how do you think, in your experience, how has COVID negatively and positively affect uh, sort of our, our um, overall environment? Because uh, there are negatives and positives to both, for example, because uh, during lockdown, there was, you know, less cars and boats being used in Italy. You know, dolphins were reappearing in lakes. But also negative is there's lots more disposable items, for example, in canteens and also disposable masks. So how do you think it balances out? Well, I guess that remains to be seen as we eventually emerge from this. And, you know, yeah, it personally makes me very sad seeing endless waste of disposable masks, for example, everywhere. And I hope one of our ingenious responses to this uh, to the world is to create a reusable one, which actually is a, as effective as a disposable one. I look, what I think about the pandemic is personally, I think. 
what it shows us and what it has shown us, which I think is a positive thing, is that is this idea that some of the structures we created for society, actually, maybe they're not the best ideas. Maybe they're not the best ways of doing things. So thinking about human health, really, uh, on this issue, we've realised that is it really a good idea to force everyone into their car every day to drive to the office to do work that they could have done from home with, you know, with, you know, with broadband so diversely distributed these days? Um, and it just shows something as something like as fundamental as that. That's like a, we thought that was non-negotiable, you know, not long ago at all. Now we realise actually it doesn't matter whether you're at home or whether you're in the office. Um, so it show, if we can apply that kind of thinking to other choices that we make, you know, do we really need to get on a plane to go to X, Y and Z when we could video conference into people? Do we really need to go to this, go to the Amazon, like I suggested, when actually we could get uh, go and walk in the mountains in Hatha, you know, and see things differently? So I think that fundamental change in seeing the world differently and seeing that we have choices is a really interesting consequence or a byproduct of the pandemic. And of course, there's... Um, we, we have seen really interesting, and less so now, but really interesting rewilding going on, really interesting uh, occurrences of sheep on uh, playgrounds. Google that one, sheep on a roundabout, it's really funny. Um, of, of dolphins re, uh, repopulating lakes, going back up the River Thames in London. We've seen huge new knowledge appear as well. So there's been some really interesting studies into whale communication since the, uh, the pandemic because... All of a sudden, with the trawling stopping mostly and, you know, the number of boats out there cutting down, suddenly we can hear new things in the way they communicate and we can understand that, they, uh, that they're doing more, even more amazing things than we thought before. So, so look, the pandemic for me has been a time of introspection and I think it has been for lots of people and I think that that's frankly only a good thing and um, I hope it does... I certainly makes you appreciate being outside, doesn't it? It certainly makes you appreciate the beauty of nature and things that were temporarily taken away from us. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I feel the environment has definitely had a re recovery during the pandemic. However, more than understanding about how our environment can be better, it's more about doing and taking action and being responsible about. And that's the main point of um, the environment is actually doing something about it. And I, I'm a part of the Environmental Society at Dubai College as well. So what advice can you give us and the students listening to actually do something and take care of the situation? Well, I guess that's it, isn't it? You just said it, just do something. Don't wait to come up with the right answer that's all, that, that you think is perfect. Just do anything. Um, as long as you feel that the step you're taking is a step in the right direction, it doesn't have to get you to the finish line straight away. So, and and you'll find that that you'll find relatively little resistance to your arguments if you get your arguments right, because sustainability is about success, it's about flourishing, it's about it's about saving money, it's about saving lives, it's all these things. So, you'll find that what seems like I don't know I don't know something that's happening seems to be the only way it can be, but when you give it scrutiny, you might see it's not, I don't know, maybe here the lights don't turn off at the right time. Maybe they're not on timers. Maybe there's some that. You could, but, and maybe people will say, well, it's a bit of a big pain to change that. I don't want to go put a new system in you. But then if you find out, you know, the school could be saving X amount of money. They could be, um, you know, not, not waste on electricity and not on burning out the bulbs quicker than they have to. You, or it could be about, well, about anything really. So my only, my only advice is like, is keep going just keep doing just keep doing stuff 
Uh, <laughs> this is quite a random question, also for another student. <laughs> so, of course, uh, while you do work in an office, your job is quite honestly extraordinary, and it's definitely a lot different from a normal office job. So, on topic of sort of uh, strange experiences, what ha- would you say would have been like one of the most, um, not strange, but sort of out of the ordinary? For example, have you met any particular celebrities? I know you've met Chris Fade and not any ministers or just any experiences you've had that are quite interesting. Uh-huh. I've met loads of people. I don't. I didn't even know who Chris Fade was. Um, <laughs> bad. Uh, I did know who Will Smith was, and that was super oh, yeah. exciting. Um, yeah. I, look, I mean, yeah, I've taken a lot of ministers around um, and leaders of individual different countries, and I've taken the media around, and I've met a lot of them. I guess. I guess, what's interesting is not how weird they are, but how everyone's so similar. So people get excited about the same things. People uh, feel passionate about the same things. I took, I took the, the, le- the government leadership from, them, from a country around the, around the pavilion the other day. And the thing that they were most excited about was that we, in one section, we have lots of photos of different people from around the world. We'd actually somewhat coincidentally taken a photo of one of their family members. <laughs> And they were super excited and they stopped the tour and like all this entourage, we had to stop while they just waited for that photo to flick up on the screen again and they took a big selfie before they left. Mm-hmm. Um, people have such common values and it doesn't, you know, you just realise that many of the barriers we place between ourselves are kind of false. Mm. Yeah, and like you talked about your job and meeting interesting people, lots of listeners might be even, or us, might be thinking of taking sustainability as a particular field in the future. So the last question to ask you is that what advice would you give us or what advice would you give to young people in general aspiring to get into this field? I guess it's, you, you know, it's the same question you asked me before, I guess, in a way. Just do do stuff. Don't wait to, don't wait to be told what's right and wrong. We're seeing an amazing outpouring from young people around the world who are frankly teaching the rest of us about what's important we see young people of course spearheaded by Greta a lot of the time and then in the western press but who are who are demanding change and are demanding action because of a conviction that they're right and they, they know the change is needed so I guess my advice would be to follow your instincts if you feel something's important it almost certainly is important and don't wait for others to validate that because Frankly, frankly, viewpoints from people who are on the the fringe, you know, are on the, who are somewhat on the fringes of the world, or perhaps not in power. Like young people don't hold the same amount of power as people in governments and in jobs. On the whole, I think that's a fair comment. Yet you see people like Greta pushing for change, pushing those people. So don't wait for those people whose interests are served by the current status quo to change the world. You can change the world yourself through your own actions. Wow. Well, thank you so much for, ha- for uh, coming to speak with us. Honestly, your job is just so interesting. And um, thank you for giving your thoughts. We'd love, to have, we'd, we'd love having you. And thank you, listeners, for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Bye.